Welcome to A Bun Dance. You guessed it, a podcast dedicated to all things surrounding dance. I am Kristen. And I am Hannah, and we are two best friends who are brought together by this art form. Please join us in five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone. We are back here today for our second interview, and we're super excited because Hannah and I have someone here today with us that's very near and dear to our heart. Yes, we have the lovely Solvay Santiliano with us. She was a professor at Mercyhurst University, and while we know a lot about her, we don't know everything, so we're excited to hear more. Solvay, would you like to introduce yourself a little and tell our audience who you are and what you do? Certainly. My name is Solvay Santiliano, and I am an associate professor of dance over at Mercyhurst University, which is where I met both of you, which is um, a gift to me. Uh, and let's see, I started off initially in the theater and um, went through dance, I guess, through, through the back door. I just started taking a lot of different workshops um, along the way. I was very fortunate that my parents supported that. And through that, I was given movement opportunities and I fell in love with that as well. So I've always had a broad appreciation for the arts in general and have a lot of gratitude for the opportunities I was given. Um, but they brought me eventually to uh, dance more seriously. So I have my undergraduate degree, my BFA from Juilliard and uh, a several master's program uh, that I've gone through to um, gain the accreditation that I needed for um, going through the tenure process at, at Mercyhurst um, with some career in between. So um, it's been fun, a fun journey, and I'm excited to talk about it. Yay, thank you so much. That's so awesome. Um, so the first question we actually have for you is, are there any similarities or differences you can make um, from getting your degree at Juilliard, a conservatory, to then later on teaching dance at Mercyhurst, a smaller liberal arts university? Please share with everyone how long you dance professionally as well. That would be awesome. Okay, two very different questions um, because I'm still dancing. So I'd have to do That's the, true. the That's numbers true. on that. Um, but I, I'll give you a little bit more detail um, regarding going to a conservatory. Uh, it's it's interesting. I really had a lot of opportunities at a young age to study in more conservatory kinds of environments. And whereas I really loved them, I had one year of college before going to Juilliard and an, a year as a performing art intern in uh, Minneapolis at the Children's Theater Company. So I did know when I went to Juilliard that the academics there were not as rigorous as what I had experienced because let me tell you, I was in for a surprise when I went to Augustana College, which is the, the college that my, my father taught at for 49 years. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, so, but, so I did take my academics very seriously and I got a lot more out of them for that reason. Um, you know, I think in going to a conservatory, it is a lot about doing. There's not as much theoretical application and there's pros and cons to that. I actually think that um, I love school and the liberal arts because I sought them um, avidly through um, what I was reading personally, but also going back to um, my first 
um, Master of Arts in Liberal Studies was another chance to go back and uh, do more liberal arts. I'm, I'm really grateful for those courses. And I feel like uh, the grounding that it gives you, I think it's, it's easier for you in many ways to be a contributing uh, choreographer. It's better in terms of being an educator. Uh, it helps you to feel, I think, a little bit more confident um, when you're um, working on projects because you have a lot more background that is um, giving you means and tools to understand how to think critically. And I don't feel like I didn't have that exactly, but I came about it in a different way because it was piecemeal from that year at Augustana College and then taking my academics seriously, even though I knew that my a lot of my classmates really kind of blew off those classes. So I'm not sure if that answers your question. I think both have value. Uh, and I, the thing <clears throat> I, I, I do think that there was there was a lot of physicalization that happened at Juilliard that I, I'm very grateful for, but it's also a lot to process. And I remember talking to one of my my teachers um, at a later time when I was I was giving Sarah Rudner an interview for my final project for my master's program, the first master's that I did. And I was asking her about her background. And she said when she was at a liberal arts college and she only had one course that she could take, maybe there would be like four or five dance classes per week that she had, which of course we do much more than that at Mercyhurst. She said, you're really present for them. And I do remember being so tired that it was hard to be fully present in body, mind, uh, and, and yeah, so I'm really grateful for what I've been given and I, I can't really take myself out of my past. I know it's a gift, um, but I also, I think education has changed over those years a lot too. And so um, I feel really grateful for the, that foundational uh, information that I was given, um, but I've spent the rest of my life uh, deepening my relationship to it. And um, that's been important to me too. Yeah, and I know personally, just from having shared experiences with you, you can just tell how passionate you are about education and dance in general. And it's just such a inspirational uh, thing to see for me, if that makes sense, just to see someone who I really look up to do what I'm hoping to do in the future too. It's just wonderful. So thank you for sharing. Well, I thank you for that. I, I feel like the program that you both went through, um, I'm really excited about it and proud of it. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. I think it was formed um, greatly through Tana Hunter, who is the foundation uh, of how the program became what it is in terms of um, a very prominent ballet-based program that is um, has its niche in um, the world of dance and education. Um, and what one thing that she, this is a little bit of a side journey, but one thing that she always said is what we're doing before we had the BFA added is a BFA inside of a BA program. And so I think it's kind of cool that we're able to offer both of those opportunities because some students really want to have a little bit more autonomy. So there's that early foundational year in the first year 
that I think helps people get their grounding and know whether or not the direction that they're going in is going to be something that's meaningful for them. Uh, and then it gives them a point of reference. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not sure if I answered your question, but but I think oh, yeah. um, what I really like about it is is um, that there it, that, that the program is thoughtful, thoughtfully constructed, and that there is uh, that underlying theory is uh, I think pretty supportive of folks so that they can they can really decide um, how to deepen and um, hone their interests inside of the field of dance. And I think that's that's important. Absolutely. I actually had the opportunity this past year to speak to Ms. Hunter a little bit on the phone. Um, she gave me some of the history and background of kind of how she developed and reshaped um, the, the dance curriculum at Mercyhurst. And that was for a paper I was writing at NYU, but it was really wonderful to learn more about that all. I want to talk to you about your experiences at NYU <laughs> in another time. I'm sure you've had many. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's exciting. Awesome. And do you want to shift gears a little bit now to speaking about your professional experience a little bit more? Sure. So as I had mentioned, I really think in some ways that my, my professional experience did start with the Children's Theater Company in, in many ways. Um, it was um, because it was a professional organization and I was able to audition for performances and I was working alongside the company, even though I wasn't paid, I was paying <laughs> um, for that opportunity. Um, the education was quite good and I, I got to perform with some amazing artists and see how both those of us who were in the intern program, those those who had graduated to the apprentice level, and then the company members, how focused they were. So I felt very privileged and excited um, to to start being able to. We did a film. I was able. I was a sister in Alice in Wonderland, and I did the little match girl, and I did all these Puss in Boots. There were all these really magical shows, and I got to see through um, dance concerts and things like that, that I was doing on the side, but I got to see how a, a production could really be appealing and something that was magnificently well lit, um, artfully costumed and put together and um, beautifully performed. So even though I didn't get a chance to work uh, consistently, that was, that was, an, that was an important time. Uh, and then I, I was hired back to actually be uh, an assistant director and to teach in the dance department, um, which was new addition to their program. This is the NHSI, the um, Northwestern University program that I had done um, a little bit later, which was another program. So I was able to start teaching and start to kind of infuse some of those things. That was another point of entry. And then ironically, so the first three major things were in theater because as when I was in um, at Juilliard, I had an injury. And so I wasn't able to dance as much the first year in between the first and the second year. And between the second and the third year, I was looking for a job and I got, I auditioned for something and I, I um, ended up working at the Lost Colony. So I was, I was the lead, uh, uh, it was an actress role. And, um, and then I was dancing on the side because um, I made friends with all of those folks 
And, um, and that was actually one of my early experiences with Palabolus because one of the members of the company, Austin Hartel, who was dating the dance captain at the time, uh, came and choreographed a piece on those of us who were taking class regularly because I would, I would hang out with the dancers as well as the actors and uh, had, a, had a lot of fun with that. And then after that, when I graduated from Juilliard, I was doing, um, I was already working with Netta Pulvermarker, who was one of my classmates who had founded a company called Off the Wall and um, freelancing with some of my other classmates. Lisa Green took us to Toronto. That was kind of a fun tour that we got to go on and performing in like downtown Baca concerts and um, trying to kind of get my, find my way that way. I also had been working with Anna Sokolo while I was at Juilliard every year. I was chosen to dance with her and had some of my favorite roles through her um, while I was there. And she invited me to be in her company. And so when I graduated, I went right to working with Anna Sokolo. Um, the Players Project is the name of the company, which was a really fun experience. And, um, and then also there was um, Ruby Shang and dancers. I started working with her and she was doing some site-specific work that I might have talked to you about while you were uh, at Mercyhurst uh, because they were very influential to me. We got to... Um, dance around Lincoln Center, around the fountain. There's all these structures that we were able to dance on. And it was, there were a lot of us that were working on this material. We were in the fountain. It was really, really hot in New York City. And so um, it was full on sun. Um, it was <laughs> kind of fun to whip our hair in there. And it, I, I really enjoyed that quite a lot. And then um, we also did something that was celebrating a simul dance that was happening in France and the United States at the same time. And I was working with a small crew, crew of dancers that um, Ruby had gotten together and that expanded and we taught it to other people. And uh, we performed on the steps of the Lincoln Center Library and had, uh, it, was, it was kind of a big fun experience again, that was outdoors, it had parameters. We were dancing on the steps. There was choreography that was partnering and uh, stepography and also some uh, parameters for some improvisation. It was really fun. And so some of those things were really very, have been very influential in my own dance making and my kind of call to doing things that, that involve, that are a little bit more inclusive and that might involve potentially community building or having some sort of uh, dancing for a purpose or or just even being able to see how one might curate their own work wow uh, yeah after that i moved away i don't know how much you want to know of all this um i followed uh, a boyfriend at the time who became my first husband we went to los angeles and um i was there for about a year and got to work with um vince patterson when i was there it, it took me a little while to sort of get my feet in the ground because I wasn't necessarily a hip hop dancer. And so I felt very like modern in comparison to <laughs> everybody else in the room. Um, so it took me a little while to find training that, that made sense to me, that was both exciting and also had some classical roots in there. And, um, and then we left, we came back to Boston and that's when I really started digging into education. I got a job running the dance program, which is 
pretty presumptuous of me at Salem State College because somebody had um, taken a leave of absence, I think, to have a baby and they never came back. So I was there for two years and I lived in a number of different places. But I, um, I would go when I was living in Gloucester for a little while, I would drive and go from one job to the next. So I'd stop at Manchester Health Club and I would teach there. I would stop at Salem State University and teach some classes there. I would keep going, sometimes carpooling with a friend of mine, and then rehearse in and around Boston and worked um, and, and taught at a number of different places. So I, ha I had a lot of jobs while I was there. I was working with three different companies for a while um, and teaching at, there might have been more than companies. I, I got an improvisation job with Synapse with Chris Aiken and Olivier Besson, who are just amazing improvisation artists. Chris is an educator now and um, is, is doing really, really well. Um, and so that was kind of fun. And then a number of other side companies with Nancy Compton and Diane Arvanites Noya, who had this company called Prometheus Dance. And she was really, um, I, I loved working with her. It was a company of all women. It was, Sometimes Chris Aiken would do some work with us or Olivia. Yeah, so um, that kind of led me into moving back to um, New York. I got an apartment in Brooklyn and started touring with Momix. And I, I had done another little guest work with Anna Sokolo, and that got me reconnected back with um, Moses Pendleton, who I had done a little project with earlier, fresh out of school. And so then I, I toured with them internationally. Oh, wait, this is or, so I'm serious. Yeah. This is so interesting. I, it's just like there's so many things that I didn't know about you that now I do, and I'm just like in awe. Um, I have a quick question. So, didn't you say that you worked with Palopolis a little bit early on? And that's where, is that what you just said? Actually, not directly, okay. but Austin Hartel was the part before Adam Battlestein was the part before Mark Santoliano okay. <laughs> is my husband and partner. So yeah, so there was this interesting context. And also I had an affinity for the work. A friend of mine, Lisa Giobi, was was touring with Momix and also doing a guest tour with Palabos and I saw the company while I was at Juilliard and it blew me away. I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I want to do. It was so incredibly moving. And um, and that was, I think it's because, and excuse me, it appealed me to me because it was this, it was a combination of theater and dance that was um, evocative and just fun. And I love partnering. So um, so I, I, I found it very appealing. Um, and then I, after I, I had, while I was at Juilliard, I was there under Martha Hill for two years. And then when she became uh, the Emeritus Artistic Director and Muriel Topez came in, who is, she was big in Lava Notation. Um, she had brought in Martha Clark and I got to work with her. And Martha Clark was one of the original Palabolis Artistic Directors and so I had some embodied experience with that company before I auditioned for Moses 
just after I, I was given a private audition, which was pretty darn cool. And here's kind of an interesting side story, but I was with some amazing dancers. They were very, very beautiful. Um, two of them got every single part at Juilliard and I got the job and they didn't. So I think one thing that I have to say is that you just don't know like what somebody is looking for. And um, so as young artists, I think it's really important to not worry too much about which opportunities are given at, at any given time because opportunities keep going. Um, they do keep coming and it's, it's not just the opportunities, it's also it's tenacity. It's sort of, yeah, going the long road and not expecting to have things sort of um, always hand delivered to you, you know? So some of my, I think that those people that we always felt like were given roles on a silver platter, sometimes their careers were very short-lived. And I find that very, very interesting that it, you know, that might be part of uh, somebody, part of the story, but it's never the full picture. There's always more. Yeah, Absolutely. that's wonderful. I think that that actually ties perfectly into, I was going to ask what you learned from your career dancing professionally that you would try to kind of transfer to younger students, uh, people that you're mentoring. And I think that that maybe perhaps is one of the things that you try to uh, kind of transfer and teach to other students. Is that, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I'm always trying to figure out because I feel very fortunate that I was given all these amazing opportunities. Like, wow, how did that happen? How did I have this incredible career? Um, I feel humble about my abilities. And um, yet I, I know I worked for them. Uh, and so I think giving back has always been really important to me. I feel responsible. I feel like I got to work with some people that aren't alive anymore. And so I feel this sort of, I'm part of that dance family and it's my obligation, my desire to share those experiences because I, I can't be them, but I can be a conduit for what was especially inspiring to me. Right. So, um, so that's one piece. The other thing is I had some injuries that were really debilitating. So one of the injuries I have had a long history with um, joint laxity. So my very first time I was injured was in seventh grade in gymnastics and my, um, my knee dislocated and um, didn't track very well after that. So I did this ancient surgery that I'm sure is unheard of. Maybe it is still done, but it was a lateral release. So they cut a lateral tendon, which means there was less stability, right? So problem. Um, so it was important to me to learn as much as I could so that I could continue to work, right? But in becoming an educator, my goal then was injury prevention. And, uh, and as I went deeper and deeper into somatics, I realized that dance was not only this opportunity to um, perform and sort of share something that for me was extremely meaningful, this sense of um, kind of making a character come to life and sort of uh, attuning to the performance magic, if you will. Um, there's an 
underlying interconnectivity that I feel like very fluent in. That's I think probably one of my gifts. And, um, and I felt like the stability is something I always have needed. And so I wanted, and I continue to want to give students those inroads that were so helpful for me. Um, what is it that you need to do to ground yourself? What is it that you need to do to maintain uh, and, and grow confidence, right? So I feel like I, I lean into that component that was probably very different from how I was taught because we were told <laughs> things have changed. You'll a never lot. be a dancer. And you'll, you know what I mean? Like we were told all of those things, the old pedagogy was still sort of happening. Not from everybody. I had some very, very good teachers, but it, there were some instances that hurt so much. I never wanted to inflict that on another student. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I also think when I when I think of you, you're just so present in everything that you do and all of your past experiences you bring to the table, whether it's in the studio or if we're just having a conversation with you. And I think that's something that we all will want to embody. I know I do um, as now a young artist going forward in my professional career is just that presence and um, the life that you exude when you teach. It's just so um, honorable. And something I really respect. I think I really appreciate your words because uh, it is interesting. It's a, a process when you're working, when you have the ability to work with somebody for a period of four years. Um, I and we, I would say for my fellow educators, do take the work home with us. And, and you know, just as much as I think students really enjoy the feedback, like, I know that feedback isn't going to always be forthcoming, um, but it's, I mean, it really holds meaning when there is a deep connection between the students and I, that I really um, value that uh, because I think as I've, as I've continued to have a larger and larger distance from the, um, the age of my students, um, I think sometimes I'm perceived differently, less as a colleague and more as someone that is more of a figure of authority or I'm not sure about authority <laughs> because I, I, I think I bring up more of a, perhaps, what's that? Perhaps wisdom, maybe? Maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. But um, I, I think that it, it's, it's just beautiful that um, I think that both of you have brought that to your work throughout. And, and I will say, I, I, um, I, it's flattering to me, but I also also say that the fact that you're able to find beauty and the things that are around you is really an asset to the world, right? And that is something that both of you, I see in both of you, that you've been able to sort of bring uh, something special to the community and that you do have an awareness for others. And, um, and that's anyway, so I'm just going to shine that that gift right back to, to you both and say, I, I've always appreciated that desire to connect and to, to be caring individuals. And um, th that's been very important to me too. Yeah, well, thank you. And that's a big reason why we wanted to start this podcast, you know, to shed light on different topics in the dance world and the dance field and having someone like you who we really looked up to to then share your experiences so we're just like feeding it all back to different avenues <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense 
Yeah, it's exciting. And I, I, I really applaud the fact that you're doing this because I think um, we, we've all been feeling so frustrated about the ways the world is kind of not performing as it has been and <laughs> not um, providing maybe the same opportunities. And this entrepreneurship and this, this leadership that you're exhibiting, uh, that is, I think, um, it, it signals that there, that, that there's, um, something is working. <laughs> so, um, so kudos to, to both of you for, for doing that, offering that back into the community. I think that's so important. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. So to segue, uh, a little bit into something else, but I feel like you kind of touched upon this a little bit already. So you're also a registered yoga teacher and certified Laban Bartenius fundamental analyst. So you mentioned about injury prevention and somatics. Is this kind of where your desire to get those credentials stemmed from? Or like, where did that kind of fit into the timeline of your career and experience? Okay. Well, thanks for that question. It's a fun one to answer. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, the integrated movement studies that Bartenev, um, Laba notation. I had that all at Juilliard, but um, I had it at a level that was, um, I thought, deep, but and it did hone my ability to observe others. Um, but it wasn't until I went back through the certification that I really claimed it in a way that um, I am so grateful for. It was the right thing to do. And that was more recent. I did that in, in 2019. And, um, and what I think is really great about this particular program, um, the first of all, the faculty is phenomenal. Um, both the founding faculty and the training is so good um, that I, I, when I was asking about it, um, one of the teachers is, is a friend of mine and a colleague, somebody that I had studied with through Bill Evans, doing many, many pedagogy workshops with her and um, Cadence. Um, and I had, I had said, why this program? Because I, there are so many things I want to do, and this is a chunk of change, and, and what, what is going to be special about it? And her, her answer was just so smart and so um, thoughtful that it really appealed to me. And one of the things that she said was, it's about integrating what you know giving a system and actually not just one system, giving many, many options for both seeing and analyzing movement and um, facilitating, I mean, opportunities for transformation and experiences and being able to articulate those things. And I've always craved greater and greater ability to articulate what it is that I'm looking for and um, or what, it, what that I see or how to sort of um, yeah, facilitate experiences that have meaning. So it affected me creatively. It affected me um, as an educator. It affected me as an artist, as a performer. Uh, so I, and I'm still learning, like it's, it's a grounding that I really appreciate, but it is a, a, like when you certify, you kind of realize, ah, and this is the beginning of, of many more wonderful experiences and there's always more. Okay, as and that, that can loop me back into yoga because um, the principle of, of yoga in many ways is that there is more that we take the things that we have struggled with in our own lives, we take our brokenness, we take the things that are our missing pieces, we're never going to not have them, but we use them to create 
right? And so that to me is a really productive way of looking at the world. And I think that yoga was really helpful for me to have a lens to sort of be able to keep my grounding, right? Because think about it, when you go back to my early um, physical struggles, uh, it was to find stability for mobility, right? Because those are always and a continuum, we need both. We need to have stability in order to move in the world and we need to not be stagnant, right? So there's, there are both of those pieces and it's a dynamic relationship that we always have with that. It's not a fixed point. So when I was touring and it wasn't going so well, um, I will say that touring was amazing and I learned many things, but there were some stresses on the road and, and it was hard on relationships. And my very first marriage, of course, did not make it. Um, but I stumbled into a yoga class. And this was uh, one of those experiences where I went, whoa, there's something, there's enough time to stay with my breath, to deepen my relationship to self and to find um, stability and movement. And, and also there was there were other aspects that were sort of happening in that classroom, right? You, you had to lay down, you had to both put your discipline on, but you also had to receive. And there was something about the that sort of the dynamic of the class that felt like um, this can really support my touring. So I used that yoga classes initially to become a better dancer and to days more stabilized while I was always on the road because my suitcase sometimes was always packed, right? So it was always moving from one place to the next. And, um, and that was amazing. And it also gave me some skill sets, right? Because I had gymnastics in my background. And suddenly I was doing tasks that was specifically designed to help the body sort of remember um, or, or find um, more perspective, like shift your perspective. So I was getting upside down. I was on my head and doing headstands. I was doing things like that. And that started to come into my choreography. And that was giving me something that was right around the time where I made this beautiful duet with Tim Aceto um, called Two That Momix is still performing. It was one of the highlights of my career through Momix. I'm really proud of that piece. And I'm really proud that it's still being performed. It's, I think it's one of it's it's stunning and um and i and i wouldn't have found that if i hadn't have found yoga um jump ahead it was a way to stay in shape and it was a way on tour because i always took my yoga mat with me i always did ballet bar i always did my pt whatever it was that i needed to do to stay disciplined and and present in my body so i could because we had to be able to go out and hold a planche arabesque for a really long time. So I needed line, I needed precision, but I also needed to be able to get into my back bend and sort of dance around <laughs> on my hands and feet upside down and inverted. Uh, so, so when I became pregnant and came off the road and then after a year when this is when I was in my marriage uh, with and my relationship with Mark Santeliano, um, who was touring at Palabas at the same time that I was touring at, with Momix when we met and um, something really clicked and um, we had a wonderful courtship um, and we ended up, he ended up coming off the road a year after Ella was born when 
I was pregnant, I was thinking I was going to finish my contract at the very least, and then see if I would maybe do part-time work. And I realized kind of within the uh, three minute conversation with Cynthia Quinn, I was not going to do that, that I wanted more autonomy at that point. And I also wanted to shift my focus. I felt very blessed that I had that career uh, and that, that it was more important to me to be there for my baby and not leave Ella in the care of some random person and not be able to take her on the road. So that was, um, that was a determinant factor for me that kind of sped or accelerated that um, decision. Uh, and so I was afraid to move to Springfield, um, where Mark took an artist in residence job after he said, you know, this is too hard to keep touring and I want the relationship to work and I want to be there for our child too. Um, so I thought, oh my gosh, you're not going to have yoga. There's going to be nothing. I'm going to be, I'm not going to be in New York anymore. There won't be dance. There won't be life, you know, and I was so wrong. Um, and I would say every time I've moved, there is a sense of fear and adventure. And I've always wondered, will I find opportunities And every single move was something really beautiful and incredible. And I would have missed out on it if I hadn't have gone. So so I ended up finding a studio there and teaching for this individual. It's success naturally. And um, the, the woman who held that would bring in guest artists. And through one of those guest artists, I met Judith Laster and I went, oh my God, the scales are coming off my eyes. This is exactly who I need to study with. So Mark and I went with Ella to San Francisco. I stayed with my 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 sister and her family and um did a teach my first teacher training and that led to other teacher trainings and that led to thinking about okay i really want to uh, i was thinking i wanted to be an iangar teacher because i had many iangar teachers that were very good i was kind of open um i thought maybe it's anusara i liked his work i thought Maybe it's Jiva Mukti because I had taken with them in, in New York. And lo and behold, there was a little studio kind of nearby me in Rochester, about three hours away. And I went to find a, to go to a Judith Laster workshop and Francois was teaching at this particular studio. And I started to take his class and I, I jumped on board and I took with him um, several different teacher trainings uh, and that worked out really well. And uh, so, so, so I've been hungry. I'm always hungry to learn more and, uh, and very grateful for having a family that was supportive of me doing that and for the ability and the wherewithal to be able to do a lot of those kinds of certifications, sometimes on a singular, very low salary, right? So, um, so I think it's about making the deal you know, as you're, as you're launching your career, it's what do I need? What do I want? Is it a good idea? You know, sometimes it's a good question to ask because usually doing more um, certifications involves a cost, right? Because there's um, financial cost and a time cost. Uh, but thankfully, my family was always really supportive of my enormous curiosity. Wonderful. I don't know if that answers your question. I yes. yammered a lot. <laughs> yes. No, you bring up so many valuable points. And I think right there at the end too, that 
it's a really good point that certifications are expensive and it's a big investment, but if it's worthwhile for your career, then there, I mean, there's just so many positive outcomes from that. Um, I know it's something I'm potentially interested in down the road to, to dive a little bit more into somatics, but um, it just, it seems so complementary to dance in terms of just the fact that it's a mind and body practice. And I, I don't know if you feel this as a more of a modern dancer, but um, I did a little research this year about in respect to ballet techniques, specifically how incorporating somatics more for ballet dancers helps them to feel more autonomous um, in their dancing and in their body, like they're able to control um, or have more control over their body. Whereas in ballet technique classes, often it's so much of just, you know, what the teacher says and you have to just uh, kind of follow their instruction and you don't really always get much say. So I thought that that was just interesting and being someone who wants to pursue dance education, but ballet education a lot. Like, I think I would benefit a lot from exploring somatics a little bit more and uh, being able to then transfer that and, and give that to my students. Um, right. I would really appreciate that that's something you're thinking about. And I would say that there's a really amazing community out there. Um, one of the certifications that I did was through William Evans, Bill Evans, um, who is now currently on uh, the West Coast again, but he was right here in Brockport, which made it easy for me to go um, initially. And he has worked extensively with Peggy Hackney, who is one of his dance company members, with Kitty Daniels, who now teaches anatomy sometimes for him um, at his pedagogy workshops. And there's a circle of educators out there that are diving deep into somatics. And there are a, cir a circle of people who are facilitating experiences that are exciting and they're reasonable. Like those workshops, I was able to uh, afford them out of pocket a little bit more easily. Um, and, uh, it, and I learned a lot and grew from each of those kinds of experiences. Cadence um, Whittier that I just had talked to you about before, who's on the IMS faculty, um, has also taught for Bill Evans, um, which is why I had known her initially. And she is doing just that. She was one of the few people who um, at the time was applying it back to ballet. And she has a, a book that you might wanna look into and I can send you um, when I have my hands on it. Um, I can't oh, remember beautiful. exactly what it is, but that that her book is beautiful. She has a lot of really great ideas, and uh, and you might enjoy that. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's so interesting because oftentimes when dancers will come into our program, oftentimes there will be this. Um, tension for some that have not had a lot of improvisation of wanting to be told what to do. And so it's like uncovering that part of themselves of like, but you're a collaborator too. You are a creator. And even if this isn't something that you ultimately want to do, if you find it more interesting to use the information that's coming from another artist, because that can be super valuable and fun. Um, it's, it's worth exploring who are you and what do you want to say? Um, that, that I think that helps you to solidify your own training. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think this is probably a great time to take a short break. All right, sounds good. Here's a word from our sponsor. 
All right, and we're back. So Silva, you mentioned Mark a little bit mm -hmm. earlier on in our conversation. Can you talk about what it's like to have your partner as a fellow dancer and how that maybe affected your life as a dancer and, and how you even developed SOMAR? If you could talk a little bit about how that came about, SOMAR Dance Works, your company that you're co-directors of. Yes, absolutely. Um, I would say that it's been amazing. I mean, I live with my partner, so uh, there's the um, sort of easy access. Uh, so we have lots of conversations that I think uh, have brought about a number of different um, pieces and, and dreams into fruition and performances and um it's it can be a lot of fun we both enjoy collaborating um and i i remember when i was working with momix i remember right towards the end when i was starting to burn out because it is pretty intense i remember thinking to myself it will be fun one day as much as i'm enjoying this experience it will be really fun one day to just work with my friends not that your dance company isn't your friends um they are they become like your family but um but to have a sense of sort of playfulness like there's just a lot of demands it's it's a pretty stressful circumstance to be under um to have um huge audiences and and sort of um, a competitive sort of in, environment um, that that was we had multiple sometimes we had multiple companies out our company was very pro prolific and even though I had a full-time job as much as one can say it was a, it was a it was a I had health care benefits and all kinds of things that I, I feel very fortunate to have had and, and regular money it was never about getting enough time on the road and touring um, but it was still stressful because you didn't have autonomy about where you went or when you went or whether or not you could go and be with a family member or, or sort of experience a life event that might be happening in your family. So there was costs as well as benefits. And, um, and so to live with somebody, to, to find somebody and fall in love with somebody who um, had um, the same kind of passion. There's something you you both really appreciate one another, and 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 um, and yet it's really important to make sure that you both have autonomy. You don't want to be the same person, and we're not. We are totally not, as you know. <laughs> we're we're very different. So I think what we've done is we've worked really hard to make sure that we both have that sense of I I a personal identity, um, as well as um, a partnership uh, and and I think um, it, the one of the things that we've noticed that we have to watch is that because we have a company together, we have a child together, we have uh, you know uh, we share a home together um, and a pet, um, and we also are are teaching together in the same department. We have to be careful that we don't talk about work all the time. Right. We have to make sure that we're both in finding other interests and feeding ourselves and, and making sure that we have friendships um, that are 
nourishing our own desires and, 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 and I have really been supported in some amazing ways, right? Because I wouldn't have been able to do all of these things. Like I, I literally have been gone. Like when I did the IMS, I was gone most of the summer. We met for a week in between, but I had like four weeks, um, where I was in, or maybe six weeks and then another four weeks or something like that. So I've, I've been away a lot. And when I did my MFA, that was all me. Um, one summer, Mark had come with Ella for part of that time, and we collaborated on something through that as well. So it is wonderful. And um, and we've made some work that I'm really proud of and that is very special to me personally. In the beginning, uh, we really hadn't done all that much in the studio together. Mark had invited me to do a photo shoot with he and Becky Jung, another Palabalian, who's a beautiful dancer, um, with Lois Greenfield. And so that was one of our first experiences of dancing and moving together. Otherwise, we had our own companies, right? So we weren't working together. So after the baby was born, um, we had been teaching at a place, um, I think it's called Sofa, that was in Connecticut. And Mark would watch Ella when I was teaching and versa visa. And, um, and so that was, that was fun for me. Cause I, I was still kind of dancing then I wasn't just being a mom, not that that's a just, but it was good for me to sort of have that professional side, still, um, being able to e express myself in that way and, and stay in my body. Um, and we created a piece together on SOPA in one of their summer sessions. Um, and so we started to do that. We started to do some pickup work here or there, choreographing for different schools or programs, um, going to do guest gigs. And we just basically, we didn't know where the income was going to come from, right? Because it was a little bit of a surprise to, I mean, we're both artists and we were in artist minds. And then when I wasn't touring, there just wasn't that extra income, right? So it was um, sometimes a little pressureful for that. But when we moved to Springfield and we started to create, I just remember the feeling of going in the studio and going, oh my God, because we had both our separate experiences, but we had some shared vocabulary. It was just so fun and so meaningful. So our very first piece that we made together was Twine. And that was like, well, I climbed all over Mark and I, you know, I mean, it's like, it was really exciting. And I had, um, such, we both had such a, a, a wonderful time with that. And then when we performed it, uh, the Dean, his last name was Belcher, David Belcher. I'm not sure of his first name right now, but the Dean of, um, SMS is what it was called at the time, um, had loved our work and was raving about it. We were sitting in like an event and we were sort of taking this all in of how successful it was. And we just turned, Mark had said to me, you know, hey, you want to start a company? I was like, hey, yeah. <laughs> so we named it, it became a thing. And then we started to get pickup work, right? So we, we were doing the hustle a little bit. Like it, sometimes it would be through like, okay, Ella's going to kindergarten. Let's do like Dr. Seuss read across America day. Let's do our Dr. Seuss pieces and let's create a program and let's add more to that. And so we were starting to kind of naturally create performances for ourselves and um, getting invitations to do different things um, throughout the community, which was always a lot of fun. 
And then at one point, and this is closer to when I started to work full time, uh, we, I, we had a meeting with Tana Hunter and um, I remember sitting in the office with, with she and Mark and saying, hey, we've got this company. How do you feel about having a, an artist in residence, like a company in residence? And she was really open and supportive of that. So we were very fortunate. We were able to start rehearsing and we're supported in that way. And then we also had some wonderful students, such as both of yourselves, um, who were interested in working with us. So initially there was no audition. It was invitation. And then over time, we started to have auditions every, every year. Wonderful. I think um, you touched upon some really great things. It's definitely clear that you guys are wonderful collaborators. Hannah and I have witnessed that in SOMAR, but you also, like you said, you both have your distinct voices and we've been able to see that as well through having each of you as professors in your own dance technique classes. But I think even within SOMAR too, I think it's clear sometimes when you see a whole performance saying like, oh, that's definitely a Solve piece or that's definitely a Mark piece or uh-huh, they definitely work together. I think as dancers having worked with you guys for so long that we can kind of pinpoint your individuality, but also like your wonderful collaborators as well. I, I would totally, totally agree with that. I remember like even when we were freshmen, I think at school and we weren't in SOMAR at this point, but we went to a performance and I just remember thinking like, oh, I could just even, even just getting to know you for those first couple months, you could just distinctly say like, oh, that was definitely like a Solvay piece or that was a Mark piece as Kristen was saying, or they collaborated. And there's just such beautiful, like little nuggets about each one of you, like you separately and also you together, you and Mark, that makes SOMAR just come to life and become the thing that it is. So just to be a part of that was super exciting and something I will cherish with me going forward. And I think Kristen can say the same. Yes, definitely loved being a part of that experience. It was, it was always so fun. Well, I, I'm so glad to hear that and because it, it, we want it to be fun. We really do. And, um, and it is, a, it is sort of a, a, we want it to be from the heart. We don't want it to be because we have to do it. We want it to be because it is fun for others. And uh, so, so we're actually really excited to have that opportunity this year. Last year, we had to sort of step back because there were so many other needs that COVID kind of demanded on us. And it was just kind of confusing. How do you create, you know, a safe environment? So we're super excited about being able to, to do that again this year and, and kind of ready. Um, but, it, but it's true. And I do think that we've talked about this. We've talked about like, okay, our modern classes are different. How are they different from a lot of different perspectives? We've danced with different people. We have different approaches. Thank goodness that there's somebody with Mark's sense of humor and, and silliness, you know, and that really comes through his, his choreography, his quirkiness, right? He likes to disrupt patterns. He likes to create surprises. And I think that's really important. I'm really interested in how do things flow and how do they feel and how do you, you know what I mean? So, um, so it is fun to work together. I, I'm always learning something. There's not really a set formula. And yet we have had some similar shared aesthetics, um, which can be really helpful, right, from our, from our past experiences. 
Yeah, wonderful. Well, to kind of wrap things up today, we were wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about what you love about being a dance educator. And you've definitely touched upon this in all the different conversations that we've had today, but maybe just kind of sum it all up together here. Sure. Um, Well, first of all, I feel really lucky because I think I am somewhat of a perpetual student. I love being a student. And so being in in an educational setting invites me to maintain that sense of curiosity and uh and i i love sort of figuring out how to translate um the like i had mentioned before the experiences that i've had and and what's needed i like thinking about the individual and and seeing what about that individual am I seeing in front of me and how might I invite other perspectives or other kinds of experiences? So um, again, leaning back into that integrated movement study, some of the, the analysis, movement analysis, uh, is, I find it really fascinating to watch other people's movement signatures, right? We all have a, a special and unique signature and figuring out how do you honor that which is um, delightfully unique and also create choice making because I think personal empowerment is so important to me, right? That's something that um, being a female and growing up in the time that I did grow up um, and wanting to sort of somehow break some of the parameters that I felt were present in educational systems and um, and figure out how does one create and access one's own voice. That's so important to me. And so I really appreciate having the opportunity to work with others to claim or to support their process uh, of finding their voice. And, um, and I just, I feel really blessed because the students who come to Mercyhurst are often just so fun to work with because of their, who they are, their passion, they're well-intended. They, um, it's, it's, it's exciting to me to uh, be a part of that support system, to, to try to find ways um, to create experiences for um, young artists who have so much talent and so many um, possibilities lying in front of them and, and be a part of that. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a privilege to be a teacher. And then, okay. One other thing that I would say that has really solidified in the last decade, maybe, but increasingly so. I think there was a time where I started, I I had doubted somewhere in my person, kind of deep down, whether or not dance had um, as much importance, because I think there is, there are some biases out there regarding like, what's a good job and what's not a good job. And I started to feel as I watched the world and I've been watching the world going through all of this sort of churning that's been happening in socio-political kind of ways. And I've, I've felt more and more confident and more and more, I am where I need to be. And this is something that is really important. Um, and as I mentioned, 
for the ability to communicate for the for being able to talk about cultural expression experience it share experiences and also to for the potency of of healing oneself right that that there's something really special about having the tools that are always present like breath become more aware to us ourselves so that we can feel our inner experience sort of our inner shaping um, and how that can be both artistic and also very productive so so it's hard to sum up right because there's there are so many things i do love teaching and always have wanted to teach even though it's um, a quest and it's not a static thing. I don't feel this fixed point of you are a wonderful teacher, right? Rather, I feel this kind of constant dialogue um, that is like reflexive thinking of like, how did that go? Why did it go like that? Is there something else that I can do? And I like that process, but I will also be honest that it's not always comfortable, right? You know, if I'm really honest with myself, um, you know, it can be pretty hard on myself. And, um, and yet, there's something that's just so uh, amazing about being in a physical art form and being in, in um, working with young adults. It's, I, I mean, I love it. Thank you for that insight. Um... Also, if you want to just bring in how NHSCA and NDEO has influenced you as being that lifelong learner, I think, because knowing you, this yes. is something you're also very passionate about as well. Yes, right? because there are other parts of the teaching job. It's not just being in the studio. It's not just choreographing. It's also advising students. Um, and one of the, the club organizations that I have had the privilege of being um, a faculty advisor for is NHSDA, which is the National Honor Society for Dance Arts. And, um, and that is um, under the parent organization of NDO, National Dance Educators Organization, and it has phenomenal resources. So good. And um, I enjoyed, I've only been able to go to one live, excuse me, one conference that was in person. Um, it was transformative experience for all of us. I can think I can say quite honestly, it was really beautiful. We got in a van and we drove all the way to um, DC and we were able to stay there. It was wonderful. Um, it connects you to, I see when I go to these conferences and um, I, I, you get to hear current research that's out there. You get to see dancers um, creating um, see what people are working on in their creative lives, um, see what books people are writing, um, how people are teaching. So you get this opportunity to, to not just be in your own bubble, right? And um, doing more of the same of what you've done. So I found them very, very influential and fun uh, in that you can go to learn more about advocacy, right? NDO is this wonderful organization that has um, little uh, side conversations. I went to a conference one year for men in dance because I, I was curious about it. Yes, let, let's let's think about it. Let's talk about it. And to be a part of those conversations was super exciting. 
so, so that's been, I think, really fun. And it's a great opportunity for the students because uh, they get to have these resources at their fingertips immediately. Like you become a member and, you know, boom, you're all of a sudden getting these uh, regular notifications about jobs. And, um, and there's also, aside from the job notifications and the conversations and the resources um, that can help with paper writing, <laughs> um, it talks about pedagogy. There's like all these different categories that it touches on. And, um, and there's um, some excellent continuing education. Some of the classes that I've taken through there over the years have really transformed my own teaching. Um, I took a dance history class with Doug Reisner, who's an amazing educator. Uh, I learned so much from that process. And um, yeah, so it's, it's exciting. It's, it's a means for like last year when we were freaking out about COVID, uh, it was a means for like, how do you teach a dance, like a choreography class online? We, we didn't thankfully have to do that, but taking the class myself gave me information and insights on how one might teach it differently from myself. And so it shaped some of my thoughts and ideas, it gave me new resource ideas and also great ideas for if I needed, if I needed to do more things online that I would have had more opportunities. So NHSDA, NDO, fabulous organizations. And we actually, Solvay, ran into each other briefly on the, the virtual conference this past year, too, which was really cool. I really enjoyed that was uh, the first conference I attended. But of course, it, it was virtual. So I'm looking forward to hopefully one day attending in person because it sounds like from your experiences that I guess just being in person, it's, there's a something special about it. I, that was really fun for me too. And I, every time I go, I see so many people that I have known from different times in my life. The the one conference that I went to, I saw Danny Lewis, who is a former mentor of mine, who I think it was at the NASD conference that I went to that I actually ended up inviting him to come to Mercyhurst to set a piece. You know, it just, it keeps you in the game, right? Because you're constantly exposed to what's happening now and staying in touch and communication with um, other colleagues in the field, which is wonderful. And then he invited me to potentially co-author a book, which I couldn't do. I had to turn down, but like, that's kind of amazing. So it is, there is like, not that I was setting out to network, it just happened. Um, but there's something really, uh, I think, amazing about being other like-minded individuals, other artists, and, and lots of opportunities can cook. Yeah, I was just going to say, didn't Danny Lewis work directly with Jose Limon? He did. He did. Right. In fact, very cool. at Juilliard, there were some of the original faculty members at Juilliard were um, Jose Limon, Martha Graham, Anthony Tudor, Alfredo Corvino. Um, they, I mean, it was a phenomenal lineup, right? Um, when I was there, Danny Lewis was there. Martha Hill was sort of the instigator. She she brought people together. She just that's one of her her gifts. She was had a lot of insight. Um, she was at. I think. Oh, I should I should do my reading a little bit more. I want to say that she started off at Bennington. Um, but. Danny ended up taking over for Jose when he was ill and starting to pull back from teaching. Danny just sort of walked right into his his role in his shoes. 
So yeah, that, but he, and he was mentored, I think Martha Hill was really preening him for being the art next artistic director. It didn't happen that way, but something even better ended up happening, which is I think a good thing to remember for young artists that it's the no or the door or the lack of the opening of the door doesn't mean that it's that something wonderful isn't around the corner because he ended up founding the new world school down in Florida. And doing like now there's a Juilliard down in another part of the country, right? That's that's sort of been an amazing thing, amazing opportunity for many, many dancers who are also educators and also students who are coming into their own careers. So it's it's about, yeah, it's, that staying connected is wonderful. And, and I, I think being involved is like being a good citizen. And I think you know, to, to, to go back to our earlier conversation about, well, what does Mercy Hurst do well? Um, which maybe you didn't ask me directly, but one of the reasons why I feel proud to be a part of that is I think they do a really good job of creating leaders in the field. That's the, that's the point. That's the focus that it doesn't have to look like a good cookie cutter. It shouldn't. It needs to come from the desire of the person that's in front of us. And each one is different. Each student is different, has their own dreams and aspirations and gifts. And, um, and, and, um, and so it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of that process. It's kind of, a, it's kind of sacred, you know, coming into oneself when when one's own potency and power which of course happens throughout our lives but it's a very special time plus you know i'm sure you feel this like the people that you meet during that time period they become like your companion your life friends and they also over time give you jobs and become your network in, in, and stabilizers and grounders and ins inspirations. So to be around that, that's, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> it's a gift. It is. Definitely a gift. Yeah. Just beautifully said, thank you for all of that. Yes. Thank you so much, Solvay. We know that you have a very busy schedule. You've been traveling a lot and you're gearing up for the school year. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to meet and to talk with us we really appreciate it yeah it's my pleasure so, yeah it's so fun to be together with both of you thank you for thinking of me and inviting me to speak about these things absolutely thank you so so much Solvay. yes hopefully we can stay in touch and talk again sometime soon i look forward to that please please do stay in touch it means a lot to me thanks for tuning into abundance we appreciate your support we hope to have pk in your interest Feel free to contact us at AbundancePodcast5678 at gmail.com and give us feedback on what you'd like to hear. That is Abundance without parentheses. Go dance yourself silly. Bye for now. A special thank you to Richard DeFiore for our lovely podcast tune and Matt Mellish for our cover art.